Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. Um, The reading's taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 27 to 39. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, can you make the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, In those days they will fast. He told them this parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews sews it on an old one. If he does, he will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says the old is better. Great. Thank you very much. And um, I mean, if you haven't finished your survey and you're bored, you can just go back to the survey. That's always an option. Um, I didn't know we were doing the surveys this week. I thought there was a couple of missing questions. Which is your favourite vicar? Where's that question? I just thought we could put that one in. Have you ever walked on water? Yes. No. Last week. I don't know. Right. So we're thinking for the next few weeks about meals with Jesus. Meals with Jesus. And I want to ask you a question. Uh, what is the best meal deal you've ever had? Okay. What's the best meal deal you've ever had? We see here an example of the classic the classic meal deal, which has three components. What are the three components of a meal deal? One main, one main, one snack, and one... Okay, that's right, we all know this. So um, I have to confess, um, I failed to complete a meal deal a few weeks ago. So I was, uh, you'd think it was simple. Um, I was in a rush, I was at the train station, and, um, and I just grabbed my three things, went to the counter, boop, 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 £5.50. Exactly, £5.50. I said, that's not a meal deal. That's not even a luxury meal deal. Um, I had a sandwich, okay, Rocky Road, and some grapes. <laughs> But for me, they were like a drink. They were like a drink. 
And, um, and I did the thing, I, and I thought, £5.50, what's going on here? So, but having made the mistake, number one, I was in a rush, and number two, I was embarrassed. Because who wants to, has anybody else ever made a meal, got the meal deal wrong? It's just a few, oh, a, a cluster of people over there, I'm with you. Um, so I didn't want to admit, I was just like, £5.50, fine. I'll never get that £1.50 back, but it's fine. Um, so maybe your favourite meal deal is the classic meal deal, or maybe you're not that kind of person. Maybe for you, your favourite meal deal would be a Valentine's dinner with a free glass of Prosecco. Maybe like, yeah, that's what I call a meal deal. Or maybe for you, it's when you've been absolutely starving and someone's just offered to buy you something because you needed it. Or perhaps it's the first time in a foreign country somebody's invited you into their home. Or maybe in this country. And that's your favorite meal deal. Well, what I want to suggest to you, if you can live with this, is that Luke's gospel is a meal deal. And if you like meal deals, you might think that's fantastic. And I do, so for me it is. Um, Luke's gospel is a meal deal. In fact, I even want to say that it is the best meal deal you will ever be offered. And I want to explain why that is true. If we take Luke's gospel seriously, it will not just give us words, it will change the way we understand all our meals. And what I'd love to do is look at how our meals become meals with Jesus. Uh, I want to look at what this meal deal is, uh, why do meals matter, and how do we take up the offer. Why don't we take a moment to pray as we get ready to do that. Father, thank you so much that you want to speak to us this morning through your word. Open up our hearts this morning. We want to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So what is the deal? What is the deal? Well, Luke's gospel, the reason I say it's a meal deal is partly because it's full of meals, absolutely full. About 20% of the gospel of Luke is describing a meal or eating or drinking or something like that, a big chunk of it. In fact, I'm going to call it a tabletop gospel. Luke's is a tabletop gospel because a lot of stuff happens around the meal table. You've got a banquet at Levi's house, which we're going to look at. There's a, a dinner at Simon's house. They break bread in Bethsaida. I'm not going to go for all these. Sabbath dinner, noon meal, hospitality, breaking bread at the Passover meal. Luke tells his gospel around meals. And eating and drinking is really important for us to understand through Luke's gospel who Jesus is and what it means to know him. And so when we look at this text, uh, Luke 5, which we had read to us, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating 
with him. So that's an example of Luke telling his gospel through meals. And this meal is a great banquet that Levi throws. It's the first great meal in Luke's gospel. And so I just want to look at, at Levi and what's going on when he does this. Levi, uh, sometimes called Matthew in, in other gospels. So Jesus is, is going along, and, he, and what we hear is that he calls Levi, and we only are told one real piece of information about Levi, which is that he is a tax collector. And from that one piece of information, we can deduce a few other things. We know that he was probably wealthy. We know that he was a collaborator working with the Romans and there with their soldiers. And so thirdly, we know that he was hated. Hated and despised. So if you were a holy person, if you were a good person or a righteous person, if you were religious, you would not have anything to do with Levi. You might have to go to his tax booth and pay him some tax, but you would spit on his name as you did it. There was a name for people like Levi, people who had turned away from God's laws, people who were compromising, and that name was sinners. And by sinners, they didn't mean just people who did something wrong, made a mistake, or, you know, uh, you know done something wrong in the past week. What they meant was the wrong kind of person, the whole category of person who's the wrong sort. And Levi was one of them. But the incredible thing that happens is, this is exactly who Jesus calls. Jesus, he doesn't call a Pharisee, one of the religious people praying on the street corners. He doesn't call a scribe writing and studying the scriptures. I mean, I don't know what Levi's survey would have been like, for, for starters. I'm sorry to talk about the survey again. Um, but I'm just saying, um, Jesus doesn't call them. Jesus calls the tax collector. He calls the money man, the Roman lover. He calls the sinner. He says, follow me. And Luke puts it really simply. He says, Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. See, the great thing about tax collectors is they know how to wait. You know, they know how things work. Like, they're not stupid. And he knew a good deal when he saw one. And he took it. He took it right there. Got up, followed Jesus. And that's what leads us to this first great banquet, which he throws. He invites his friends, tax collectors, and sinners and invites Jesus. And that leads to a complaint from the Pharisees. So these uh, religious leaders, they start to complain. They complain about it in verse 30. They say, um, they go to his disciples first. So first of all, they go around the outside to the disciples. They say, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And then later on, they go to Jesus direct. They say, John's disciples often fast and pray, as do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. You see how often it's talking about eating and drinking, eating and drinking. 
And this whole complaint actually bubbles around through Luke's gospel and comes to a head in Luke chapter 15, verse 2, where they say this. They say, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's their complaint. It's, uh, it's a bit like going to a restaurant and saying, oh, wait. I don't, people don't click their fingers in the restaurants anymore. I don't know if that works. It's really patronizing and bad. Anyway, waiter, waiter. And the waiter comes over. They say, we have a complaint. Oh, sir, madam, what is the complaint? Is it, is it the food? No, no, the food's okay. Is it the service? No, no, the service is fine. It's the people. I'd like to complain about the people. I don't want to eat with these people. You probably haven't made, I mean, have you made such a complaint? In a, I'm assuming that you haven't made that kind of complaint. But that's what the Pharisees are doing. Saying, this is our complaint. You are eating with the wrong people. And we might think, oh, well, they've, oh, they've missed the point. Oh, what, what, how rude. But actually, they didn't miss the point. They understood exactly what Jesus was doing. That's the problem. Because when you eat with someone, especially in that culture, it means I accept you. I share my food with you. You are like a friend to me. Come share with me. And they said, God doesn't want to share with those people. That's our complaint. And Luke does something very, very clever. He takes their complaint and he makes it probably the most beautiful and simple explanation of the good news that there is. So their complaint is, this fellow, this man, welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's our complaint. And Luke says, you know the good news? <laughs> the good news is, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. He makes their complaint the gospel, which it is. That's the good news. That is the meal deal. At the heart of Luke's gospel is that this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And I wonder if you need to hear that this morning. If you need to hear that God welcomes sinners. People who've been excluded, people who've been ignored, people who feel guilty or weighed down. God welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And that's the good news. The um, writer and poet George Herbert put it like this. He said, love bade me welcome. Love, God is love. Love drew me in and gave me that welcome. And the, the, the painter Holman Hunt drew, uh, captured uh, in this image, uh, which picks up what Jesus himself says in the book of Revelation, chapter 3. Here I am, he says. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and eat with that person, and they will eat with me. That's what it is. Jesus is inviting you to share with him. And as we were praying this morning, um, Phil was part of the prayer team and said, this is the verse for this morning. And he didn't even know I was going to talk about this verse. And that's why I say, maybe God wants to say to you this morning, the good news is that God welcomes sinners and eats with them. 
He wants to accept you as a friend. He wants to share life with you. He is knocking on the door of your life saying, will you let me in? And you and only you can decide, yes, come in. I open the door, come in. And he says, if you open the door, then I will come in and I will eat with you and you will eat with me. And that is the meal deal. Now, I want to uh, just think a little bit more about meals before we think how we might, uh, where we might go next with this. So I want to ask the question, why do meals matter? So we've said there's lots of meals in Luke's gospel. You know, why? Why so many meals? Why is that important? Why not just miracles? Like Jesus does miracles. And why not just teaching? Jesus does teaching. Well, I think it might be because meals are how we connect in everyday life. They're how we connect. And some, sometimes we get all about the miracles. We're like, I want, I want to see miracles. I want to see amazing things happen. And that's great. Jesus does miracles. But there are many times when the prayer that we pray is not answered as we expect. And we have the normal life day after day after day after day. Or maybe we're interested in teaching. Give me more teaching. I want information. Tell me more about Jesus. And that's great. Jesus does teaching. There's lots of teaching. But you will never understand everything that Jesus teaches. I will never understand it. The well is always deeper. And we can read as many books as we like and watch as many videos or listen to as many podcasts as we like. But Jesus is after something more. Jesus is about the meals, because meals is where we share the whole of life together. It's where we share ordinary life together, breakfast, lunch, and tea. Meals create a kind of deep bond between, between us. It's like this profound human connection. It's a deep animal bond between us. If you share food with someone, and you, and you go to their house, and they don't poison you, that's a good thing. <laughs> And it builds trust. <laughs> and maybe you might bring them a gift, and that, then you also don't poison them, and that also builds trust. It's a good thing. Our cat understands this, okay? Our cat understands. There's this deep bond with eating together. So we'll have like a, a salmon supper, and our cat will be like, fish? She'll say, Vid, you're having fish. I see you're having fish. This is great. We can have a big meal together, like a big cat family, like we're eating in the wild. And what do we do? We pick her up, we throw her out of the kitchen. <laughs> She's over there. <laughs> you do not understand. Eating forms a deep bond between animals. I will lick my fur until you have reconsidered. And so that's, what, that's how it works in our family. And, so our cat understands that sharing food is deep. It's one of the deepest things we ever do is share food. And, and that's how Jesus wants to connect with us. He doesn't want to just connect in our heads. He doesn't want to connect in our songs. He wants to connect with the real life of who we are day in, day out. And that's why the meals are important. God... The God who made the world has stepped into the world in Jesus Christ 
into the very heart of what it means to be human. So he knows what it is. God knows what it is to be physical. He stepped into what it means to be hungry and long for bread. What it means to share food with others and to break fish and give it to people. And you're thinking, where's the next bit of fish going to come from? I don't know. He knows what it is to to dip your bread into the bowl with somebody who's going to betray you. He even knows what it is to have a, a sponge of vinegar thrust in your face when you can barely breathe. In Jesus Christ, God came to share the whole of life with us. He shared everything of ours so that we could share everything of his. He came to share our fears and our doubts and our difficulties and ordinary everyday life so that we could share his life and his love and his joy. And that's what it means to know him. And that's why the meals are important. God isn't just offering you something on Sundays or something, like I say, in in your songs, in your prayers. He's not a stained glass Messiah. He's a a, a stained glass Savior. He's a mealtime Messiah. He wants to eat with us because he wants to be our friend. We could say that God wants communion with you. He wants communion with you. He wants to share, like the sharing of the bread and the wine. And it's the sort of thing you have to taste and see and open up your mouth and let it become part of you so that it becomes right inside you. That's what it means to know Jesus. And that's why the meals matter. Let me just say one last thing. How then do we accept the offer? Jesus offers this, this meal deal. He wants to eat with you. He wants to share life with you. And he asks, do you want to eat with him? Will you accept his invitation? Well, how do we do that? What does it look like? Well, Jesus shared everything with us. And so if we're going to let him in, then we need to do what Levi did and, and respond with everything we've got. So Levi, he he got up, he left everything, and he followed. That's what it is. It's it's about everything. So if you want to accept the offer of eating with Jesus, then it's going to connect with everything, the whole of your life. There's this verse in Romans 12, in the message translation, puts it like this. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Take your whole life and place it before God as an offering. That's what it means to accept the invitation. And that includes our meals. I said at the start, this would change the way all of our meals work. Let me give you some examples. It will change whether you eat. So you may find that sometimes you, you don't eat and you fast like Jesus refers to in the reading. He says, he says that sometimes my followers will fast and you give up food so that you can focus on God or if not food, something else, something that you need to leave behind so that you can follow Jesus 
And maybe this Lent, as we prepare for Easter, that's what God's asking you to do. It will change how you eat. So that even just a tiny crumb of bread or whatever meal you add, it becomes different because you recognize this is a gift from, from God, my Father, who's providing for me. And so you may find that even in a simple meal, you just say, I'm going to stop and say grace. I'm just going to pray thanks to God. So it changes how I eat. It will change, God willing, the way we see bread and wine forever. And we'll be thinking about that in a few weeks' time. And it will change who you eat with. If you accept the invitation of Jesus, it will change who you eat with. You're going to eat with some people you might not have expected before. And that's what happens with, with Levi. Um, he, we get the sense that he's probably thrown parties before, but he's never invited Jesus. And that's what it meant for him, that he would invite Jesus in. See, Levi, being a tax collector, he probably had quite a wide network of other tax collectors, and he was known as a sinner, but he knew other people who were known as sinners. And so they had this group, he had this wide set of contacts. And what he does is he invites Jesus in to meet them. I think that's really interesting. He's not embarrassed of Jesus but he invites him in. He's not embarrassed of his friends either. He brings them together in this great banquet. It's a little bit like uh, in the show, Michael McIntyre's big show. He does this thing called Send to All, where he gets people's contacts on their phone and says, I'm going to send a message that I write to everybody on your phone. To all your... I'm going to send it to everybody. And people say, oh, that's quite embarrassing. Because I don't want Michael McIntyre to send a message to all of my friends without them knowing about it. And that's kind of what's happening with Levi. He's kind of saying, Jesus, take everybody that I know, all of my friends, all of my contacts, and I'm going to invite you to, to meet them. I'm not embarrassed about you. I'm willing to bring you into my world. And so he kind of does the same thing. If he, he kind of sends the, his sent to all is a bit like this. I've started a new journey. I'm throwing a party to celebrate. Jesus will be there. Everyone's, everyone's invited. He shares his contacts with Jesus. And for Levi, to, to invite Jesus into his life means inviting Jesus to meet his friends. So that's why I wonder as we finish... What does that mean for us? I mean, the beautiful thing that happens with Levi, I should say, is because he invites Jesus to, to meet his friends, it becomes this wonderful picture. Um, it becomes like a picture of heaven. Levi's feast becomes a picture of heaven. It's like a feast where everyone gets to come. And so when we trust God enough to invite him in, then we become like a picture of heaven. And so my challenge to us is, what would it mean for us to invite Jesus in and to introduce him to our friends? So maybe you eat with a family. And so maybe eating with your family means just saying, do you know what, we're going to invite Jesus in by saying grace. Just at the beginning of all of our main meals, we're just going to take a moment 
be still and pray. And that's you inviting Jesus into the meal. One of the best things we ever did as parents was take mealtime seriously, gathering around the table, not in front of the TV, and just having time to pray, and maybe a story, and one of the best things we ever did. Maybe for you, inviting Jesus in means welcoming somebody to your house. Um, we went to, to try a church once, and we sat there. It was our first time in church. And uh, somebody turned around and said, welcome, it's nice to see you. Um, would you like to come to lunch with us? And we said, mm, we may not be here next week. We're kind of looking around the churches. And she said, her name was Chris, she's fantastic, she said the most wonderful thing. She said, even if you don't come to this church next week, come to dinner all the same. Just come and have, I thought, oh, what is this? This is dinner without even having to go to church. What is this love? Um, so we did, we came, we came back, we not only came back to that church because we got a lovely lunch at her house, but we settled at that church. Because I want to go to the kind of church where people offer dinner like that. And maybe for you, Jesus is going to show you who you need to invite. So that's my final question, really. Who is, what does it mean for you to take your contact list and say to God, I trust you with my contact list. I trust you with the people that I know. And I'm willing to invite you in. And maybe there's somebody, maybe you're Levi, as it were, the person that you weren't expecting, that God is going to put on your heart this week, somebody that you can listen to about their faith story and, and what they believe, and, and get the chance maybe to share your story and give your invitation. So then, the good news, the good news is this, Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. If you like you can be one of them. And I, you and I, we can be those sinners that eat with Jesus. Jesus came to share everything with us so that we could share everything with him. This is the meal deal at the heart of Luke's gospel and there is nothing like it. He stands at the door and knocks. Are you willing to open the door, let him in and eat with him? Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.